Hello, faithful listener, and welcome to the Small Voice Podcast. I'm Darren. And I'm Holly. In this podcast, we'll be sharing some recommendations for Christmas, looking back a wee bit on the year and looking forward to. Yes, we're almost halfway through the dark and want to celebrate with a bit of tinsel and stuff, maybe even some mince pies or other seasonally appropriate nibbles. And we've got a musical Christmas present too, though you'll have to wait to the end of the podcast for that. But first, a regular health check. How have you been, Holly? Oh, good question. It's been a bit of a mixed bag. And uh, regular listeners will know that I can be a little bit grinchy during Advent, if that's fair to say. Um, And I can sometimes get a little bit tangled up in um, wanting to... I experience that kind of liturgical period, that kind of church period of waiting um, and then getting sucked into festivities and the kind of usual stuff um, at this time of year. And I think uh, personally, you've got some health stuff in the family happening and work's really busy and it, it just feels like this year December is flashing by and that it all, it, all of a sudden it was I was grumping about it being far too early in November and oh, why all this Christmas music <laughs> in the shops and blah, blah, blah. and then suddenly I'm like oh it's like it's really very nearly Christmas now and uh, I yeah I so I feel like I, I'm just standing in the middle of a whirlwind um, constantly at the moment. Um, I have a highlight though which is that my team in work got invited um, on a a night out at a bowling club uh, with very uh, cheap uh, refreshments, shall we say, um, by um, <laughs> some of our local nursing colleagues. And uh, I was one of only two doctors that had the um, uh, great honour of being invited on a nurse's night out, which is a really uh, big deal. <laughs> that, that means you're, you're sound, you're uh, solid. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, it was um, completely riotous, but um, an absolute delight to be invited. And I got to give my... Um, festive jacket and airing which is a, a seasonal very sequined bomber jacket I look like a some sort of glitter ball and uh, <laughs> I um, I thoroughly enjoyed that um, so yeah mixed bag bit of a whirlwind but I've been in the whirlwind looking like a disco ball how have things been for you Darren I'm just picturing you wearing that jacket for the strictly final I, I mean I am the glitter ball trophy that's that's what I've got that's what I'm dressing up as for Christmas Well, if we go back to uh, November, uh, my wife Jill was in China uh, for uh, 12 days um, with work. Uh, So I'm I'm not going to say that this was heaven. You know, we used to talk about heaven or hell. I'm not going to say it was heaven. Of course it wasn't. I'm not going to say it was hell. I I like to think that I'm pretty good in my own company. But I have to say, particularly with the the dark winter nights and, you know, <laughs> pulling the curtains closed here in the Northern Hemisphere at, uh, you know, four o'clock in the afternoon, giving up on the day. I, I didn't cope all that well with it, I have to say. But one thing that I did do, well, actually two things. One was a bit of reading, but I'll come on to that. Um, I uh, I got out some um, marker pens, some, um, what do you call them, uh, permanent markers, uh, pro markers, that is the brand name. Uh, and, and I did some drawing. Um, just to while away the time and have a little project. Um, I could I could have been doing projects around the house, I'm sure. But um, so I used to draw when I was when I was really young. You know, we're talking kind of primary, maybe a little bit into secondary, and I've not done any real drawing since then. Uh, and so that's been that's been quite nice actually. Just 
getting on and, and having a wee go at drawing some stuff. It's been quite quite nice to kind of revisit something that I haven't done for well, more or less decades. That's cool. Um, I do not have an artistic bone in my body. I'm a, a more of a words person than a pictures person. But uh, my uh, wife saw that you'd posted um, a picture of some cookbooks on Instagram and uh, was uh, was wondering how you would feel about it being made into a jigsaw puzzle. She thought it would make a really good jigsaw. <laughs> oh, right. OK. Yeah. Very happy. Very happy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That, that was the project, basically, to draw a stack of, of cookbooks, um, which is a thing. You know, it's, it's a thing. You, you can find it on Etsy and on Insta. And uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm so down with my social medias. Uh, but speaking of social medias, um, I should say, uh, we always appreciate you getting in touch with us, faithful listeners. So thanks to those of you who've done just that. But we do apologise for our continuing neglect of socials. Um, Substack, I'm, I'm, I'm looking in that direction. Um, I very much feel a New Year's resolution coming on. That being said, listener Louise did contact us via message to our Facebook account, for which many thanks. Yes, uh, Louise took the time to respond to two of our recent podcasts. You may remember in November that we, we tried our best to tackle the recent terrible events in Israel and Palestine. And it was a difficult chat to have, but Louise said... Thank you for your words on Israel-Palestine. I think your anguished, grappling postures are what helped me most. Seems to me like it's okay, even needed for us to be dumbstruck with too many feelings on the issue. I, I thought those were really encouraging words, Louise, and I, I think in some ways you've um, summed up what I was trying to say better than better than I did. Yeah, and in a surprising and rather wonderful move, Louise also sent us a photo of some artwork. She decided to try and paint a speckled soul. You may recall that the phrase came from the novel For Thy Great Pain Have Mercy On My Little Pain by Victoria Mackenzie, which we reviewed in October and which recently won the Saltire Society's Scottish National Book Award for the best first book of 2023. The novel is about the 14th century mystics Julian of Norwich and Marjorie Kemp and Speckled Soul came from there. Louise's painting of her speckled soul is just great and we'll make sure that we share that with you. And you can send us your thoughts and comments and perhaps inspired paintings uh, on our website at smallvoice.org.uk, on Facebook. You can email us at the.team at grf.org.uk or you can subscribe to get email updates from us via Substack with the handle at smallvoice, all one word, or by visiting smallvoice.substack.com. And I'm proud to say I'm getting better at saying that. <laughs> we expect many paintings. So, faithful listener, in the words of Sir Noddy of Holder, it's Christmas. Or, well, as Holly said, um, we're kind of halfway through Advent, so it might as well be Christmas as far as the shops are concerned. What we thought we would do is, uh, conscious that we've talked about some pretty heavy uh, items in recent podcasts, so we're going to talk about uh, maybe some ideas for Christmas presents or some of the things that we've liked this year, or maybe even talk about some of the things that we'd quite like for Christmas. You never know. So it's going to be wide-ranging and bringing. Uh, we're going to talk a little bit about books, about music, uh, maybe a little about TV. Um, and Holly, you're going to kick us off. I think we're taking books first. What, what, what do you want to talk about? Yeah, so um, I have a theme for my recommendations. And oh. my theme is 
that awkward period between Christmas and New Year when you're kind of off and there's not much going on in the shops and everybody's really full of food and you're kind of you, you stick your hand into a box of quality street and you're not 100 sure whether it's all just wrappers or whether there is actually quality street left in there that that time of year um <laughs> and uh, i've been thinking a little bit about what um what books and music and uh, tv i would recommend for that cozy time um, i'd like to preface this recommendation by saying that my first choice makes an ex- excellent secret santa present so if you work with me listen on with caution because i may or may not have <laughs> bought this as a secret santa present um so my first recommendation is the book the anthropocene reviewed essays on yes. a human-centered planet by john green uh so f- first off uh, uh, do you know who john green is I was going to say, is he the fault in our stars? He's he's a is he, he's better known as a young adult author. Would that be so? Right? Yeah, he's a young adult author, and to me, he is best known as one half of the Vlog Brothers, which is one of the most okay. successful YouTube channels of all time, which he manages with his brother Hank. But I think to most of the world, he is best known as the guy that wrote the Fault in Our Stars. <laughs> um, but he he didn't just write the Fault in Our Stars. He's written some other predominantly young adult um, novels. Um, but he wrote this book, The Anthropocene Reviewed, which came out in 2021. Um, do you know what The Anthropocene is? It's one of those things where I would, I would, I would hold my own in a conversation about it, but I would struggle <laughs> to define it. Something to do with the planet. Yeah, something to do with So basically, I think my understanding, and again, this is just from having read this book a million times, is it's the... Um, proposed name for the period of time in which we're currently living so a bit ah. like you've got the jurassic and the yes. um the whatever the the, the current yeah. period so anthropocene so the period that is has been most shaped by people um so uh basically the book came out in 2021 so it's a wee bit of an old um an old book to be recommending but it's a bit tight i think it's pretty timeless and I first listened to the audiobook on a long car journey in probably October or November of 2022. And it's become my most reread book of this year. I've dipped in and out of it countless times. Um, so in the book, John Green reviews various aspects of life in the 21st century on a five star scale. So ah. he starts out with, I think, Canada Geese. Oh, no, You'll Never Walk Alone, the song. Uh, he reviews Diet Dr. Pepper. Uh, the Hall of Presidents at Disney, uh, Staphylococcus aureus, uh, which is a, see, it jumps around a bit. When I when I you you held up so I could see the cover and I have noticed that I thought it was I didn't think it was going to be humorous. I mean, am I or is it there serious points in here? Yeah, I mean there are serious points in here. I, I'll I'll start by reading a very short review, which is okay. from the half title page um, of the book, so you can see there's a yeah. tiny review in tiny writing at the bottom. Oh yes, so uh-huh. we'll test my eyesight. This page is known to publishers and bookbinders as the half title page because it lists the title but not the author or subtitle. The half title once served a real function in the printing and bookbinding world, but these days it's mostly ornamental. I've always thought they were a bit gratuitous, but by the time I arrived here as a reader, I already know the title of the book. And if I want to be reminded, it's available to me on the book's front cover. Um, But then again, in the age of screen reading, I suppose every facet of bookmaking is anachronistic. And I do deeply love the feel of paper and the sight of print. So I give half title pages two and a half stars. (laughs) Um, so he starts yeah. off with a bit of a conceit where he doesn't give anything five stars for ages. And then he breaks down 
I think, I can't remember exactly where it is. It's either sunsets or man's capacity for wonder. Um, and he breaks down and, and does acknowledge that he's not actually that um, that jaded and that some things do really deserve five stars. It it The essays are f- sometimes hilarious, but he also explores grief. He spent a brief time when he was in his 20s as a hospital chaplain, which really seemed to mess him up a wee bit psychologically. He reflects a bit about that. Mm. It's a 2021 book, so actually talks a lot about the COVID pandemic, and it was probably the first post-covid book that i read like a book that had mm-hmm. really deep reflections on on the pandemic um so that's what i'm it, it's it's wonderful and the audiobook has some special um easter eggs in it that don't work in print but do work in audio and the book has some easter eggs that wouldn't work in an audiobook so that we have title page um review <laughs> yeah. obviously isn't in yeah. the audiobook so he's done an amazing job and also like all good things it started life as a podcast so uh <laughs> the um anthropocene reviewed podcast is still um out there for your listening pleasure if you'd rather have it that way so i would genuinely recommend it to um to everybody and i am giving it as a gift this year um the, the copy that i'm holding in my hand is not technically my copy um but i would recommend it to lots of folks but uh, also to you specifically darren yeah i i'm fascinated because i have seen the book and uh, i i just don't think that i realized it was quite what you you said it was i i kind of thought it was a, a more serious science book strange no i totally get that i think um i think that i didn't read it for over a year after it came out despite being quite a big fan of john green i never listened to the podcast um Ah, there you go at all um i didn't find out about the podcast until after Mm. i'd read the book so it was something i think there was something about the pandemic that it kind of passed me by but his reflections on grief and particularly the death of one of his friends and mentors amy Krauss rosenthal who was also an essayist and memoirist um Mm. are really beautiful but also it's laugh out loud funny so um so yeah great book and short little chapters so good for good for the period Uh, that period in between christmas and new year where your brain doesn't work yeah so that's the anthropocene reviewed reviewed by john green published in the uk by penguin Excellent. Well, listen, I have a a, a a book recommendation, which I, I think you might like as well. And it's a good one for for Twixtmas. Um, I'm not hesitating in, in, in saying what it is, but there's maybe a little bit of backstory. So I mentioned that I was, um, you know, cruelly abandoned with nothing but a cat for company for 12 days, um, stranded on the sofa. And I... I I came across this book. I'm holding it up for you and I'll say what it's called. It's called Illuminae by Amy Kaufman and Jay Christoph. And it's the first in a series of three. And I came across it in Topping's Bookshop, which is a wonderful bookshop in Edinburgh. But I came across it entirely by mistake. It was on a table uh, when I was looking for some other stuff. And actually, it turns out it was from the young adult section, although... Looking at this carefully, when this first came out, it's, it's, it's categorised as fiction. So this is uh, the first in a science fiction trilogy. And I do have to ask, Holly, have you read it? Do you know it? I have not read it. And it's strange that I've not seen it because um, young adult science fiction is uh, is qu- quite often present in my house. But I've not seen that one yeah. before. Yeah. So I, I recommend this for two reasons. One, um, it's very 
I, I don't want to give too much of the plot away, but it starts with a a planet being attacked and uh, some people fleeing in a couple of large ships, but then being pursued. And basically, it's a race against time um, to get to get somewhere or to try and uh, you know defeat the ships that are chasing them. Um, so it's I won't say it's hard science fiction. Um, there's there's a, a there's a romance element to it as well, um, but uh, and and you know the central characters are, are are teenagers, but heavens, talk about your I stayed up all night to finish it. This is it's six hundred pages, and I read it I think in a couple of days. Now to be fair, a lot of it is is done in the form of files or you know transcriptions of events or camera footage. Uh, so, you know, it's not dense on the page, but they also play around with uh, the layout on the page. So, for example, there's a big dogfight between all these spaceships and it's just chaos and everything's happening at once. So for about four pages, you just get words thrown all over the page. Or there's a moment where a character has to do a spacewalk around the outside of the spaceship. So for four pages, you have a kind of drawing, not, not a drawing, a kind of graphic of the spaceship and the words go around the page, you know, retracing the steps of the spacewalk. So it's quite playful in terms of its form as well. Um, I, I went straight on to book two um, and I, I've, I've more or less finished book three. <laughs> I've discovered that book three, after I'd finished it and thought it didn't make a lot of sense, is missing 50 pages. <laughs> <laughs> It basically, I thought, oh, that happened quite quickly. And it took me ages to realise that 50 pages were missing, but bless the bookshop, they're getting it for me. But um, I recommend it because it's a great page turner. And also I recommend it because I know, even as I'm saying this, there will be people who are reacting in two ways. One, it may be young adult, in which case, shame on you and you should really know better. There's brilliant, brilliant stuff in there. But there's also maybe the, well, it's science fiction and I don't read science fiction. And I've got a basic, maybe though this isn't a Twixmas thing, but if you're the person listening to this podcast who says, I don't read science fiction, go and read some science fiction in the new year. Make that a resolution because you really are missing out. And um, I, I've said enough. What, what do you reckon, Holly? So I, um, I really need a page turner. Like I, I feel like I'm in a period of life when I've got a few days off between Christmas and New Year that I need to have something that I'm a bit obsessed with. Um, and I'm staying with um, my friends who've got a couple of young kids who are real bookworms and there's a lot of reading in that house. So I think that sounds like the perfect book for me between Christmas and New Year. Um, I'm going to say that I've got a couple of other, just just not not to talk about in any great detail, but a couple of other kind of science fiction or alternative future recommendations that have, have absolutely flown through this year. One was um, the Lady Astronaut series. It starts with The Calculating oh, yes, yes. Stars by uh, yes. Mary Robinette Kyle, which is a, an alternative future um a yeah. book um which i and we, sh we should re sorry we should reassure faithful listeners that we will this this will be this you know what this 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 will be in our substack full oh yes absolutely and we'll put, we'll, yes, yeah. we will try our best to actually write some fuller reviews of, of some of yeah. this stuff for for our substack um but i've got another one called space opera that's um a on the on the to, to read pile so i'll i'll let you know mm -hmm. how i find that whenever i um um, I read it and I have to confess that I'm one of those people that um, I guess I used to, 
it was almost like I hadn't realized that some of my favorite books were science fiction. Um, like I, like I kind of was a wee bit sniffy about modern science fiction while, um, you know, loving classics like the day of the Triffids or, or things that are kind of, yeah. um, on a sci-fi or, or, or were comedic sci-fi that I've really enjoyed yeah. and I got weird about it. Um, and I've very much come back to science fiction and fantasy over the last, um, couple of years and it's been a, yeah. a good homecoming, shall we say. Yeah, and there is a snobbishness about it, I think. You know, people say they don't read science fiction. They well, have you read The Road by Cormac McCarthy? And you think, well, that's a dystopian novel. You yes. think, you know, come on, come on. I, I would... Um, yeah, Station. Yeah, I read Station funny. Eleven this year and I, it, that was really helpful. Totally science think, fiction. Just to try and just plunge me back in there. So, um, yes, I'm yeah. fully with you on your science fi- pro-science fiction rant. Yeah, and, and my um, current... Uh, it's certainly not an obsession, but I am trying to navigate the and, and find the quality books in this amazing new genre of books that are set in Japan or in Korea about bookshops that have got cats on the cover. It's it's phenomenal. It just seems every time I go into my bookshop, there's another one. And sometimes there's not even a cat in the story. They just, know how, they just know how to get you. They know how to get you. <laughs> they absolutely do. Right. Okay. So I have another book recommendation um, and it's by, okay. um, it's a proper Christmas one because I felt like we needed to to really um, go all out for Christmas. So it's by, um, Br- Bri? it's by Brian Bilston, um, the unofficial oh, poet yes. laureate of Twitter. And it's called, um, and so this is Christmas, 51 seasonally adjusted poems. <laughs> um, and uh, it's difficult, always diff- we've tried on the but uh, in the past on the podcast to to review poetry books and they're always difficult to, to to review poetry collections so instead i will read a poem that i have specially selected for you darren um i'm dreaming of a statistically improbable white christmas i'm dreaming of a statistically improbable white christmas just like the ones i've seldom known <laughs> Because it's a great big maybe and the chance of snow is flaky as long-term data clearly shows I'm dreaming of a meteorologically unlikely white Christmas. The Met Office has let me down again. In Jan or February, it snows more readily. Let's hold off Christmas until then. I'm dreaming of an artificially constructed white Christmas with every festive tale I read. Curse you, Charles Dickens, your snow falls and thickens each Christmas morning guaranteed. I'm dreaming of an implausibly white Christmas, meant in no racist sense at all. I'm anti-prejudice. I'm no white supremacist. I'm just begging snow to fall. I'm experiencing a disappointingly predictable unwhite Christmas. There's not a single flake in sight, but I keep on dreaming despite hoping one day Christmas will be white. Um, and if you're very lucky, I might sing that for you at some point in the future. But, uh, I think that gives you a flavour. It's a bunch of daft Christmas poems um, that um, confirm my prejudice because the first poem, which I shan't read, is called It's Beginning to Look a Lot Like November. <laughs> um, so uh, we, we always like a book that confirms our prejudices. Excellent. I, I, I do enjoy thickens and dickens as I write. Shall, shall we move on? Shall we move on to some music then, Holly? Some yeah. music recommendations. Shall I go first? Yeah, I think it's your uh, turn to go uh, yeah, first. Yeah, it's okay. So 
Christmas albums, I'll just skip over this really, really quickly. Um, there's an album I'm sure I've mentioned before called It's Snowing on My Piano by Boogie Vesseltoft. <laughs> and I'm not going to spell that out for you or even try to, but, you know, the details will be in the show notes. Uh, and also there's a, a kind of jazzy, uh, classically um, album called O Magnum Mysterium, and that is done by Jan Lundgren. So I would recommend them. In terms of music that's had an impact on me, I, I find this fascinating. I see The Guardian saying the 50 best albums of the year and it's now got to the point, it's not whether I've heard the albums, it's whether I've heard the artists. And out of 50, I had heard of four of them, so I'm not terribly proud. But I've got a couple of recommendations. One is an album that did come out this year and it's by an alt-Americana artist called Juliana Hatfield. But she started doing some albums of cover versions so she's done an album of Police cover versions and she's done an album of Olivia Newton-John cover versions. Oh, yes. But this was an album of ELO, Electric Light Orchestra, cover versions. And they're not a band that you normally think of. Uh, seldom covered. covered. Yeah. Yeah. How do so you cover Mr. I've, Blue Sky? <laughs> she, well, she doesn't. Oh, that's fair <laughs> so enough. To, to be fair... Um, she clearly is a fan because other than a couple of songs, she, she does Don't Bring Me Down and kind of reinvents it in a kind of 80s synthy way, which I'm not I'm not a huge fan of that. But I found it lovely. I mean, you know, out, uh, the ELO album Out of the Blue was a seminal album for me. You know, I mean, I was an ELO fan long before they became fashionable. And they became fashionable about three years ago. Um, so the wilderness years have been long for me. But it's it's a really nice, lovely kind of tribute album. She doesn't try and replace the strings. You know, there's a lot of um, strings in ELO, obviously, playing on the orchestra idea. She sometimes, you know, sings the strings, but it's just it's just nice to it's it's kind of a nice happy album, is what I would say. Yeah, so I I have a weird relationship with ELO because I grew up knowing from as long as I have known anything that my mum wanted Mr. Blue Sky at her funeral. Wow. So so I've kind of grown up with this song that is a great, very happy song and already preemptively associated with the death of my mother, who is very much alive and kicking. Um, I, I am, I'm sitting here thinking, by the way, Holly, that I would have a hard time not wanting it at mine as well. <laughs> so, um, I, so as a palliative care doctor, it's the highest compliment that one can pay a song. There's a, there's a, a, a a conference um, every year in Scotland where they um, have the um, conference speakers walk on stage to the song they want played at their funeral. <laughs> um, so uh, maybe maybe if I ever speak at it, I'll walk on to, uh, um, to Simiello. Um, I'm a terrible millennial cliche. Um, so I have been listening uh, to Sufjan Stevens songs for Christmas since, well, since it came out but um also this year since uh, the the first red cup appeared in starbucks so um mm -hmm. my, my wife puts it on every time we get into the car anytime anything christmasy vaguely happens so uh, we listen to a lot of sufjan at this time of year um but the christmas album i want to recommend is kate rusby's new christmas album light years i love a christmas album um, and I've, I've managed a couple of listens of, of Kate Rusby's new one, but it's also her seventh Christmas album. Um, so she uh, she does like a Christmas album, does Kate. And uh, this one um, 
the the thing it has to recommend it most is it has a cover version of a spaceman came traveling which is obviously the most unhinged christmas song to ever exist <laughs> it is com- you know a, a doctor who storyline in which in which the that that song was never written would do me fine it's terrible <laughs> It's terrible. I, I, I quite like Chris Burr, but it's a terrible song. Even, anyway. even Kate Rusby cannot hugely improve on it. But um, she has a, a single, a self-penned single from that, that album um, called Glorious, which is lovely. Um, and also a lovely version of the Spain Carol. So um, I, I, I love Kate Rusby. I could, I could listen to her all day, but um, uh, definitely worth a uh, worth a listen. While we're talking about Christmas music, I'd also like to talk about the vague possibility that Fairy Tale of New York by the Pogues might be the number one um, at Christmas. Well, the Pogues and Kirsty McCall, obviously. Um, and also just to use that as a chance to talk about the wonderfully flawed uh, Shane McGowan, who died on uh, the 30th of November this year. Um, Shane wrote uh, some songs that I struggle to imagine somebody having had to write. So he, mm. he wrote a song called A Pair of Brown Eyes that I think until I was in my late 20s, I thought was just an Irish traditional song that had been around forever. Um, so I, I grew up listening to the Pogues and uh, Fairy Tale of New York was released as a duet with one of my favourite ever artists, Kirsty McCall, who's also sadly no longer with us. Um, and uh, it was Christmas number two, the year that I was born, my first Christmas, 1987. <laughs> Do you want to guess what kept it off the top top spot? It's a good pub pub quiz question. Oh, I should I should absolutely know this. I think it's not even a Christmas song. Is it's it? not. No, it's the Pet Shop Boys cover of Always on My Mind. There you go. Um, so uh, I would love uh, I would love for Shane and Kirsty to get Christmas number one. I feel like the rest of the Pogues would be very happy. But if you haven't seen it yet, um, Glenn Hansard and Lisa O'Neill performed Fairy Tale of New York at Shane McGowan's funeral. And uh, if ever a funeral should have a live album, it is uh, <laughs> Shane McGowan's funeral. There were people up dancing in the aisles. And a very forgiving priest who was just visible out of um, just by sitting behind the pogues the whole way through mm. it. And I thought you're 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 game for having letting people sing this uh, live streamed in your church. Um, but uh, yeah, just I just wanted to talk about Fairy Tale of New York, which um, is a wonderful Christmas song, and the uh, what as I said, wonderfully flawed Shane McGowan and a funeral that's definitely worth seeking out. There was some real moments of uh, light and uh, Jesus breaking through into that um, into that service. <clears throat> now, just to show that we we do record this live and to some degree unrehearsed, I should say that I bought the uh, the Radio Times Christmas edition and was uh, marking some stuff up earlier, uh, Holly and. Uh, and the BBC don't really need much advertising, do they? But BBC Radio 3 on Christmas Eve at quarter past six in the evening, while shepherds watched. It's Elizabeth Alker, who's brilliant. She presents the Saturday breakfast show uh, and she's a northern lass and she is exploring the ancient tradition of South Yorkshire caroling and she interviews Kate Rusby. So fabulous! We'll find it on BBC Sounds. See, now it Shall sounds we... like you were highlighting the Radio Times while I was speaking to you, which uh, <laughs> I, I do no, have just, to take issue with. No, no, just earlier today. I promise, <laughs> earlier today. Listen, this is this is on film. Um, now, shall we move on? That's quite a, a bit of music. Do you want to move on to uh, TV? 
Yeah, so I am terribly guilty of being a streaming person a lot of the time. So I wanted to recommend a couple of things that um, one's been around for a while that I've just come to. Um, and I just think it's the perfect cozy thing for between Christmas and New Year. So if you've got Amazon Prime, um, there is a program called The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. And I didn't know what it was. I'd seen people talk about it. I'd seen pictures from it. But I'd, I'd never actually sat down and looked at it long enough to realize what it what the story was so it's um a woman called Miriam Maisel so Midge Maisel she's living her perfect 1950s upper west side New York life and through a series of unfortunate events she discovers an unlikely talent for stand-up comedy and uh, becomes a stand-up comedian and it's kind of loosely based on um, people like Joan Rivers and some of the early female pioneers of stand-up comedy and it's an absolute hoot it's funny it's an easy watch it's cozy it's nothing more than the slightest hint of mild peril and uh, I thoroughly recommend it for between Christmas and New Year if you're looking for something with no threat whatsoever okay that sounds good I um I'll I'll, I'll go next um there is this is on I think on the 2nd of January it's a New Year treat quite literally um, and this is where I confess that it's taken me a number of years to realise that the the comedy programme Taskmaster is actually a work of genius. And that's probably known to, <laughs> I hope, most of our faithful listeners. But for some reason, I'd never quite kind of bothered to watch it. Um, Jill watched it, I think, before me a little bit. But now we have got properly properly hooked on it yeah yeah if, if people don't know um and, and i think actually it's it's maybe even on netflix internationally but in taskmaster uh greg davis helped by alex horn uh sets ridiculous tasks um which frankly remind me of cracker jack in my my childhood days uh, ridiculous tasks to celebrities usually stand-up comedians um the, the most of the the tasks are recorded in advance Sometimes they work in pairs. There's five of them. Uh, two, uh, sometimes they work in two or three. Um, but then they record them all together, you know, looking back on what's happened and, and Greg gives them scores. It is ridiculous. Sometimes you would look at it and go, this is this is pointless. This Is this what our society has come to? And then you realise that actually what you did need to see, as I saw just the other week, was the last year's New Year special where Claudia Winkleman had to get a pole through a house. The pole was about four or five metres long and every time she hit any part of the house or the obstacle course, she was docked time. And, and you sit there weeping and realise that this is this is a good and, and, and joyous thing. And it's no wonder that actually, uh, although there's a fair bit of um, fruity language in Taskmaster, it is available in a bleeped format because I think they have recognised that it's, it's got quite universal appeal and shame on me for being so late to it. And as I say, the New Year treat, just a one-off special, is on the 2nd of January. Fabulous. I, I look forward to that. Is the New Year treat the one where they're not all comedians? Yes, exactly that. 
Yes, which I would which, be lying uh, if I say I remember who it is this year. I can well, rustle I, through I, the pages of the I thoroughly I oh absolutely you've got the, the reference book there. Um, yeah. I thoroughly look forward to that. We love Taskmaster and I have to say it was a real gift to us um to have not watched any of it before lockdown. And my sister-in-law recommended it and uh, it really got us through the early days of COVID. And uh, I think Alex Horn, who's the brains behind Taskmaster, yeah. is an absolute genius. And it's a pretty unbreakable format, I have to say. Yeah. <clears throat> Sorry. What I did um, mean to say was to, to tie in a little bit. Do you remember uh, a few years ago, Holly, Anne, bless her, um, uh, introduced us more or less to Richard Osman's House of Games by getting us to play some answer smash questions, uh, which you can you can hear in a, in a previous podcast when Anne was with us, and Anne talked about how Richard Osman makes community, and the interesting thing is going back and watching Taskmaster. Initially, it was I won't say it was aggressive, but you know, initially it, it took a while for it to find its format, but. It is fascinating to watch over the course of what's probably now say 12 programmes for the full series is to watch this kind of sense of community begin to arrive to what you, you can almost see the episode where they they actually click. And it is, it is a kind of although there's a lot of kind of joking and, and slagging people off, there is a there is something very positive about that kind of community coming together. Yeah, I think in that episode, if I remember correctly, Anne said that she thought House of Games punctured the pomposity of uh, of famous people, and I think I think Taskmaster really does that. Um, I um, just a, a just a wee sneaky recommendation um, to, to just slide in is Alex Horn, uh, along with his uh, fellow comedians and, and good mates Mark Watson and Tim Key, has a YouTube series that ran during the pandemic um, called uh, No More Jockeys, where they um, they play a, a kind of parlor game with each other over Zoom. Um, and it's one of the most wonderful and ridiculous things I have ever had the joy of watching. And uh, Coming up to Christmas, uh, my wife George and I have been re-watching the festive episodes where it's kind of the same thing apart from one, one of them's wearing a turkey on their head. And <laughs> um, it's, it's, an, it's an absolute joy. And I think it stands, I, I, I think that all three of those comedians that I mentioned, Mark Watson, Alex Horn and uh, Tim Key are all geniuses. And I think Alex Horn particularly. Yeah. If, if we're doing other really quick recommendations, um, I, I, it's going to be interesting to see how the traitors gets on the traitors uh, with Claudia Winkleman. Now that everyone uh, knows the, the format, the, yeah, the, the reality show arrives in January. I think they're stripping it over, over a week, or you know, so you get two or three episodes a week. Um, I am fascinated to see how that goes, and I guess even if it's not as good as last year, we'll still get to see Claudia in a range of knitwear, and that will be marvelous. I mean, I feel like the fringe was made for this program. <laughs> yeah. Any other TV recommendations? I mean, I feel like we would uh, be uh, remiss if we didn't mention that there was a Doctor Who special on uh, Christmas Day. Th yep, the church on Ruby Road, Ruby Street, the church on Ruby Street. Shame on me for getting that wrong. I know, I'm very disappointed. Um, <laughs> I am uh, really excited to see Shuti Gatwa as uh, really come into his own as the Doctor. So um, um, that's what I will be doing on Christmas Day. I'll be eating a lot of food and I will be watching Doctor Who. And I'm sure that Church will squeeze in there somewhere. 
I'll squeeze in one more recommendation. Um, you know, there are people who I think are much misunderstood uh, and uh, have to go through a lot in life. And you're maybe not expecting me to to then talk about Nigella Lawson. But Nigella Lawson's Amsterdam Christmas special is on next week. And that will be a kitsch joy. To, oh, I, I love don't know a if Nigella with, Christmas I don't know if you'll come up with a micro wavy equivalent, but we wait to see. I love a Nigella Christmas. She is the gift that yeah. keeps on giving. Absolutely. Um, and if, if that's us kind of um, come to the end of our TV music um, books, I, anything that you want for Christmas, Holly? What an excellent Now's question. your chance. Uh, well, so what an excellent question. What can the listeners send me? For I want, uh, I want more pictures of people's speckled souls to be uh, to be mm. <laughs> to be sent in um, by our listeners because that was wonderful. Um, and I, I want some really boring stuff. I've asked for like um, those really, you know, those barefoot shoes that uh, uh, make people into, uh, uh, I don't know. All the people that I know I'm, you have. I am, I am intrigued. <laughs> Sorry, I, I couldn't finish shoes. the sentence without saying a bad word. So um, I, <laughs> um, I've i um, asked for some barefoot training shoes, my weightlifting. It's all really boring stuff this year. But the, the biggest gift um, that um, I've bought myself this year is obviously my jacket that makes me look like a glitter ball. So um, I've already had my Christmas present for the year. Yeah. What about yourself, Darren? What will, what will you be asking Santa for? Well, you know what I won't be asking Santa for, won't you? Don't you? You know that the the kryptonite for Darren McKinnon is the I was going to say, charity is it, is Christmas it a goat? gift. <laughs> yes, yes. Just a reminder to any faithful listeners out there: my feelings on this are very, very strong. If you're thinking of righteously sending someone a card that says, "On your behalf, we have put a goat in a country," well, you haven't done it, but you know you've you've donated money. Um, here's what you do, faithful listener. You give the money to the charity anyway, and then you give the person a present because that is what Christmas is for. It's for giving them a present, not teaching them a lesson or congratulating both of you on how astonishingly, um, I don't know, you know, I, 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 I go back and listen. I've got, I've got a good so rant on it. Early. Every what? year, every year, my father-in-law um, tries to find the thing that he thinks we will approve of most that CAFOD are doing, yeah. the, uh, the Catholic Aid Charity. Um, yeah. But he does always also send us a Christmas present, so I think he is forgiven. That's that's the key point there, definitely. But um, I'm not sure I've ever said on the podcast. Probably have. I have, I have a fair old stationary fetish You know, I, I like a good bit of stationery So in terms of Christmas gifts I haven't put anything out there But um, I am a kid in a candy store When it comes to having started uh, You know, drawing again You know, I can go into These places like Cass Art and Hobbycraft And just lose myself Amidst so many different pens And so many different colours It's joyous so now you know, you can find us by Carrier Pigeon if you want to, <laughs> to, to send us something for our Christmas. Yeah, or, you know, buy us a goat and tell us about it. We honestly won't mind. That's about it for this podcast, Faithful Listener. We wish you well, despite all the glitter and tinsel. The Christmas season is not always the easiest time of the year and can be very difficult for some of us. But without suddenly descending into a sermon, I hope we can all experience the promise of God with us here on earth this Christmas. And do we want to say that Christmas is about tradition too, sort of? Uh, all that other stuff, obviously. Um, anyway, it's a bit of a contrived link, but uh, we'd like to continue 
our own small voice Christmas tradition. We've done it twice already and finish up with a lovely version of Silent Night. This was specially recorded for us by the wonderful Hannah Rarity a couple of years ago in her kitchen and it's just beautiful. I think I'm all for traditions if they're this good. And just to say, Hannah has a number of gigs in the offing just now, not least in the new year at Glasgow's own Mighty Celtic Connections Festival. We'll put a link on the website. And so, dear and faithful listener, here is Silent Night by Hannah Rarity. Take care and happy Christmas. Happy Christmas. We'll see you in the new year. Silent Night Oh.